Brethren, we want to turn our attention to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 5, and verse 1. Mark, chapter 5, and verse 1. And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. First half of Mark, chapter 5, describes the casting out of a devil in a man of the city of the Gardarenes. There's no other such miracle in the Gospels that is so graphically described. The Gospels only record one visit of Jesus to the city of the Gardarenes in his ministry. And what an eventful one. It was predominantly a Gentile community, and it shows that Jesus did not go there by chance. He went nowhere by chance. His ministry was to be extended to all men, all kinds of men, people. <laughs> Two other Gospels records this event, Matthew chapter 8, Luke chapter 8. Is you want to cross-reference. Matthew is a more condensed version of the event, while Luke shares some of the same thoughts as Mark's account, which is the more, more extensive one. It appears from reading the sequence of events in the Gospel narratives that the healing of the man with the unclean spirit occurred very early in the Lord's ministry, maybe sometime after the Sermon on the Mount. <laughs> Much attention is given to this miracle by commentators. I think I read about four of them in preparation. But not many make mention of the message behind the miracle. The message in Mark 5 is teaching us what a person is like before and after salvation. Before salvation, we were on the path to destruction. After salvation, a person is given the mind of Christ to worship him, to think as he thinks, to behave as he behaves. The spiritual message shows Christ's power over Satan saving his people. How does this relate to you and me today? People talk about the devil, Satan. But they don't understand that the devil is a spirit and a very evil force in this world as we see his operations in the church as well as outside of the church. And we should guard against him. He crops up ever so often in the pews. The Bible is more than a historical document. It is the word of God to mankind. And today demonic activity may not be as dramatic as we read in Mark 5. But let us not be deceived 
The Bible tells us that the whole world lies in darkness. The whole world. Demonic activity continues to thrive because though Satan is the defeated foe, he is still permitted to manifest himself in this evil world as he torments his subjects and keeps them in spiritual bondage. This is the message of Mark chapter 5. We live in this physical and the spiritual realm. We do not see the spiritual realm. We cannot see with our eyes. We see the natural physical world. But Satan operates in a spiritual dimension. Satan is called the God of this world. Second Corinthians 4 4. He's called in Ephesians 2 2 the prince of the power of the age. He's called in Revelation 20 verse 2 the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan. His works are seen all around us. They're seen in congregations as well. You may remember at the table the devil entered Judas. Right there at the Lord's Supper. Here in Mark 5, the Lord Jesus has left the hub of activity at Capernaum and crossed over the other side of the sea where he met this demon-possessed man. There's a lot of talk about demon possession, especially when we go to Zimbabwe. And I always say to them, every unsaved person is demon-possessed. He's their father. The devil. You must always understand that the Lord is in control of all events. He knew he would contend with the devil. He came in the devil's domain. Isaiah said, But thus saith the Lord, even the captives of the mighty, the devil, Shall be, get, shall be taken away, and the prey of the terrible, the devil, shall be delivered. For I will contend with him that contended with thee, the elect, and I will save thy children. To promise. There is spiritual warfare that is around us that we do not see. There is a battle raging that our eye cannot observe. Every time the gospel is proclaimed in the church or out of the church, there is a battle. There is a force of evil resisting. And some of you know what I mean. There is the spirit of Jesus. And the spirit of the evil one vying for the souls of men. I said some weeks ago, we're too casual in this church. We haven't grasped the seriousness and the scope of our message.
Today we will look at this passage from a gospel perspective, showing a person before salvation and after salvation. This is my aim. Look with me first at the place Jesus came. Verse 1. It says in verse 1, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, in the country of the Gadarenes. The place Jesus came was on the other side of the sea. Before Jesus was preaching by the Sea of Galilee, if you turn back to Mark 4, verse 1, we are told, And he began to teach by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him a great multitude, so that he entered into a ship and sat in the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on the land. Whenever you see redundancy in Scripture, Study it. The sea. The sea. The sea. Study it. Get the implications of the phrases and the words. Why is God repeating himself? Why is he so redundant? Look for the spiritual meaning. And you'll understand. Later in Mark 5, Jesus came over the other side of the sea in the country of the Gardarines. To go over the other side of the sea suggests that it was beyond the scope of Jesus' normal territory. It is noteworthy to consider that Jesus was not alone when he went over on the other side of the sea. The scripture uses the plural and they came over Unto the other side of the sea. Jesus was with the twelve. His disciples. It is a great lesson to ponder. We are either with Christ. Or we are against him. Gospel work is not for one or two people. It is for the church. It is for us. They were with him. And there's a lot that is left to wonder in this church. Who are we with? We should pause and think about that. He wasn't alone. The statement that Jesus went onto the other side of the sea with his disciples also means that this man with the unclean spirit was far away from the grace of God. He was on the other side. He was a stranger to grace. When the prodigal rebelled against his father, the scripture says that he went into a far country. It means he was separated from God. And this is how some of us are. Every person that is not in a state of grace is far from God. We can be close in the church, but far from the Lord's grace and his salvation. We 
told in Ephesians 2 verse 13 that after a, after a person is saved, converted, born again, that we who were sometimes far off from Christ were made nigh by the blood of Christ. This is how God used the word. Jesus is coming over to the other side of the sea spiritually means that Jesus came to Satan's kingdom. That's the place he came. Look at the earth. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Left heaven's glory. Didn't have to come. But he came to Satan's domain. As a matter of fact, when he came, no one wanted him. Cauchy with the animals. The end, overbooked, no room. The Lord of glory left the splendor of heaven. Let us not forget this truth. Let us not forget that Christ took the initiative in saving lost sinners, boys, girls. Let me expand this verse a little further. The Lord came to the place where death reigned. The scripture says that when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Tombs are not the normal place to find the living, but the dead. It's a lesson. It's a message. Three times Mark bring our attention to the tombs where this man with the unclean spirit inhabited. We live among a dying race. Today it may be someone else's turn. Tomorrow it may be ours. But the worst kind of death is spiritual death. Man in his natural state without salvation is spiritually dead. They have no life with Christ. No feeling for him. No interest in him. Jesus came to the place where death reigned. Verse 1 says, they came over onto the other side of the sea. Let us grasp the meaning of these words carefully. The Lord Jesus came to identify with death. We're told in Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him. That had the power of death, that is the devil, and delivered them, the saved, who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. The death God's children fear is not physical death, but the second death in hell, eternal judgment. Only the one that God is drawing would fear hell. 
people suffer hell. But the person who is drawn to salvation begins to worry about hell. Some people worry, but they get their bodies cremated. As though that is going to solve the problem. The Lord came where death reigned to this earth. After Moses, we read in Genesis 5, And Enoch begat sons and daughters, and he died. Second, he came to Satan's domain, as I say. The Bible says immediately Jesus was met by one with an unclean spirit. This individual was under the control of Satan. He was not under the control of God. And this is what every lost sinner in the world is like. As I say, Satan is the God of this world. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world have blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, whose image of God should shine on them. The Apostle Paul said, For we preach not ourselves, but Christ. In the context, we are told that there were some in the city of the Gardarines feeding swine, pigs, now, you know, pigs were unclean animals. Not today, of course. But this is the lot with the devil's domain. The unclean. When the Lord came on the other side, he came to Satan's domain. He knew where he was going. Thirdly, he came to the place where he was unwelcome. He wasn't welcome in the city of the Gardarines. He made the world. He was in the world. The world was made by him. But the world knew him not. How do I know that he was unwelcome in the city of the Gardarines? Well, after the man who was possessed by the devil was restored to, to sanity, the city was not glad for him. They wanted Jesus to leave town. You, you are putting our pig industry out of business. Read the context. Verse 16 and 17. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devil. And also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their course. That's a poor prayer request to ask Jesus to leave. Don't ever think, my brethren, that those on the other side of grace are head over heels in love with Jesus. Oh yeah, they may pay lip service to him. People without the Savior only see things from an earthly point of view, from a carnal standpoint. 
the people of the Gardarenes were only concerned about the loss of money. And there are people like that in the church. What they stand to lose on Sunday, so they go to work. If they were concerned about the profit gain from dealing with swine, they were more concerned with this than the soul of the lost man. Well, this is our first heading. The place where Jesus came. He came where death reigned. He came to Satan's domain. He came to a place where he was unwelcome. Come to our next main head. Observe, secondly, the kind of people Christ came for. Verse 2 says, When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. Jesus didn't come for monkeys or angels. He came for man. Fallen man. Me and you. He came to his own. Those who are separated from his grace. Some of us have children. And we scratch our heads. They're overrun by drugs. Immorality. Wayward. They're overrun. Are we saying anything to them? Are we sharing the love of Christ with them? Or are we aiding their cause? We need to hear the gospel. Jesus was met by a man. Those who are under the power of the evil one. These are the people the gospel is meant for. Ordinary people like me and you going our own way. Paul said to Timothy, knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous person, but for the lawless, the insubordinate, the ungodly for sinners, for the unholy and the profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers. The list is long. And then Paul says he thanked God for giving him the gospel, for putting it in his trust. We must preach the gospel and stop being afraid of faces. Man in their fallen state think they are free. Yes, we are free to do as we please. But we are not free to do God's will. Psalm 10 verse 4. The wicked through the pride of their continence will not seek after God. God is not in all their thoughts. His ways are too grievous. I want to to break down this some more. Jesus came to those affected by the fall. Verse 3 tells us, this man has his dwelling among the tombs. No man could bind him. No, not with chains. This text is showing us the power of Satan. 
in a life. I never experienced anyone living in a graveyard. Most people I know have an airy feeling about graveyards. I don't stay in there too long. I'm in a hurry to go to book. There's something funny and spooky about being in a graveyard. But though this may be the natural fact with this individual, it is really a spiritual fact if you know your Bible. The Bible says, and you have he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is the Bible, brethren, that I'm reading. The fall of man did not simply injure man. We're not so bad. You know, we just need a little push, you know, a little brushing up. It's not like that. It's like the, not like the nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty together again. This nursery rhyme has a lot of good intentions growing up. It is man that had a great fall. No one could put him back together again. Not Humpty Dumpty. Children, they try to blind us. In school, from the gospel, Humpty Dumpty walked. This man I had a great fall. No one could put him back together again. It takes a miracle. But if anyone is saved by the grace of Christ, they know that they once dwell among the dead. I was. And was made alive. Maybe some of you are still occupying the tombs, the graveyard. Why did you think God sent his servant Ezekiel to a graveyard? Going there. And said that these bones live. And he prophesied. And all of a sudden, some dry bones come up with flesh man. And then God says, this is the house of Israel. Graphic pictures for you to understand the gospel. We live in the spiritual realm. We don't see a spiritual world. We see a natural world, but we preach to the dead. Peter says, for this cause was the gospel preached to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. You don't preach the gospel to physically dead people. 
But we preach the gospel to those who are spiritually dead, unsaved, unconverted. If you don't understand what I mean by spiritually dead. Maybe more explicit. Lost. No feeling for God. No interest in Him. I'll expand that in my applications a little more. When we do this, God grants life to whoever He wills. He's sovereign. He gives life. He's a merciful God. Acts. And it shall be given. Seek. He came to those who are in spiritual bondage. Verse 4 says, Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder. And the, 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 the one thing about the devil, he has enormous strength. I don't know if you ever see people being tormented, the enormous, the enormous strength they got foaming at the mouth. They break you in pieces. The devil has enormous strength. And his subjects too. Look at how we live, the late nights. Oh, the drugs, the drunkenness, the whatever else. The strength. The abuse of strength. <laughs> for the unsaved. No strength for God to serve. All the strength yielded to Satan. Spiritual bondage came to those who have no spiritual rest. Verse 5 says, He's always night and day. He was in the mountains. And in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stone. It's a graphic picture. It's true of this one that the Lord singles out in the city of the Gardens. So we saw the place Jesus came with his disciples. The kind of people he came to. Thirdly, the purpose for his coming. Verse 7 and 8. We're told that this demon cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? And there's one thing about demonic forces. They know this name very well. The, the Bible says that Jesus became the song of the drunkards. What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of the most high God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said to him, Jesus, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. Christ came to destroy the works of the devil in the lives of those he came to save. That's the purpose for his coming. He speaks peace to the heathen. He asks in verse 9, What is thy name? And he answers saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Apparently this man was occupied by thousands of demons. And then verse 10 and 11, we read that in closing. 
and he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country, because that's their domain. They are allowed to float around this world today. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding. A lot of people don't eat pork because it's like this. That demons went into the pigs. They need to look again to see where the demons are. The Bible says the herd of swine ran violently down a cliff. Violently down a cliff. Brethren, I would not go any further. This is the expository layout of the context. The place Jesus came. The people he came for. The purpose for his coming. This is the message of Mark 5, 1 to 20 actually. I couldn't go any further. The time would not permit me to carry exegesis any further. But it teaches what one is like before salvation and after salvation. It shows Christ's power over Satan. Mark 5 is teaching A. The deadness of the lost unconverted soul. The deadness of the unconverted soul. The man with the unclean spirit living among the tombs is a picture of the unconverted person separated from Christ. Those who are not in a state of grace is not a place that you should want to be. It is time to pray. One can be in the church and yet display spiritual deadness. No response to spiritual things. No interest in the gospel. Never moved to conviction. Never motivated to righteousness. No life apart from the carnal life. I'm giving you these traits because that's what it is. not kill ourselves. But a dead soul is never docile. As you see with this man, he was very active. Spiritual deadness revealed itself in being confrontational. Verse 2 enforces this point saying, immediately there met him a man out of the tombs. Spiritual deadness manifests itself in one being confrontational. The unclean spirit confronted Jesus. It is stressed again in verse 7. He cried with a loud voice saying, What have I to do with thee, Jesus? Son of the most high God. At times you deal with people in the church. You try to woo them to righteousness and they are confrontational with the minister. I have learned not to cast my pearls before swine. Is this you? Are you confrontational?
soul by nature, the lost soul is spiritually dead. They are confrontational, contradictory when spoken to, defensive. Spiritual deadness also expresses, expresses itself in being combative to correction. Combative. This guy was armed with chains and knives, hurting himself. Spiritual deadness. Combative. Want to fight. There's some people in the church you dare not approach. Because they're combative. I don't have nothing to fight for. I come in peace. If I ask you a question, I come in peace. I'm seeking your peace. The scripture said, neither could anyone tame him. This is true. The creature can't tame any unconverted soul. You can probe. You can entreat. But spiritual deadness will become battered in its resistance to God. Well, let's understand this man in his state. These points that I'm bringing out to you. In the natural setting, I show you. But in the spiritual setting, in its application, I'm showing you what spiritual deadness is like. It's not docile. It's very active. It's not passive. I don't even, I don't know if you ever approach a loved one, a spouse, in correcting them with the gospel. How, how, how do you, how, what do you get? Or in the church. What, what do you get? Are you like this? Are you like this? But wonderfully, I'm not majoring on the negative. There's another message here. And it is showing what the man was after. You will see it. It's the beauty. First we see a new standing before God. Verse 15. Could only briefly touch on these things, brethren. A new standing before God. Verse 15 says, And they come to see, they come to Jesus, and see him that was possessed with the devil, and had the legion, sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. The three major changes took place in this one. And we see them here in this text. It is teaching us that when a person becomes converted, they are seated with Christ in the heavenlies. It is the position of every Christian. We are seated with Christ. He is seated with Christ in the ship. But we are seated in heavenly places, Ephesians 2. God give his 
children the choicest seat in heaven. You remember Mephibosheth? Remember him, Mabel? He was out in the wild, Lodabar, far away. He was an enemy of David. He was Saul's grandson. He should have been killed because he was vying for the throne. David should have killed him. That was the norm in those days. David sent for him. He said, is there anyone left that I may show mercy for Saul's sake? Send out this rascal Ziba, Tony, servant, to get him. When he bring him, he says, you will sit at my table continually. And the Bible always emphasized, but he was lame at his feet. We sit at the table, but just remember who we are. We are lame. We need attention. We need our wounds clean and modified with ointment. New standing. Person becomes converted. This man left the residence of the day. Seated. This is the Savior. He was clothed. The child of God is no longer naked. No longer exposed with all their sins. Remember Adam and Eve? They were clothed with fig leaves. When the Lord met them, he clothed them. Animal skins, it points to the shed blood of Christ. Covering. Rule of righteousness. When the prodigal returned with all his dirty party and clothes, the father says, bring the best robe. Put on him. Same picture. We are clothed with the garments of salvation. We are decked out in the sight of God. That's salvation. God clothe us. He no longer sees our sins, our deadness. He sees Christ's righteousness. Is this you? A lot of us here playing games, playing church. Not real. Okay, you overlook these things, brethren. Okay, you not honor and serve the king. How can you not proclaim his name? What is stopping us from giving our all? What it is? Is it deadness? New standing. Three, the man was in his right mind. And all over the New Testament, let this mind be in you. Some of us are still in our minds. Still see things from an earthly perspective. Still see ourselves as number one.
right mind. Believers are given a renewed mind. Capable of comprehending the things of the Spirit. Wanting the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. For the carnal mind is enmity towards God. For indeed it is not subject to the law of God, neither can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Are you in the flesh? New standing. It's a positive thing. New desire of the saved sinner. Verse 18. When he had come into the ship, he that had been possessed with devil prayed him that he might be with him. Quite the opposite of the men of the Gardarines prayed him to go. The lost soul cannot bear the gospel. Time in the preacher. When is he going to end? When am I going to go? That's the lost soul. Pray him that he might be with him. There are two things we see in this one's desire which was not seen in his deadness. He came into the ship where Jesus was. In Mark 5, 1, Jesus came out of the ship for him. But obviously, he returned to the ship. And the man that was cured followed him. This is the desire of the saved sinner to follow Jesus. These are some wonderful truths in the Bible that we should look for in our lives. We do not desire to occupy the tombs any longer. Dead people run with dead people. Dead people like dead people. You know what I'm saying. 50,000 on the Verrazano Bridge. They ain't nothing more to do but to run 26 miles, block up traffic, and host of people cheering them on on the Lord's Day. Dead people like to be with dead people. And I'm not ashamed to talk about these things. Believer's desire is to be on board the ship. I ain't hear none of the network saying to people, make sure you go to church. I hear them saying, make sure you go on the bridge. And that's the way some professing Christians are going. Running with the day. He's on board. We're on board doctrinally. We're on board in the direction where the ship is going. Are you this way? Are you on board with the Savior? Are you running with the day? You should ponder these things carefully. New standing before God, new desire of the saved sinner. Once demon possessed man came into the ship, not around the ship, but into 
did not come near the ship, but into the ship. Intimacy. See, when you're into the ship, you're, you're in an intimate relationship with the Lord now. And some people shy away from intimacy. Don't want to be too close to Him. He's too forthright. Keep him at a distance. He's too serious. No intimacy. Of all the people in the church, few have an intimate relationship with the preacher. Few. And his family. Few. I wonder about that. I ain't got no horns. The people of God that is on the ship should be intimate. They have the same Savior. The sailing in the same direction. What is keeping us from being close to each other? Today the converted heart don't have to pray for the Lord abiding presence. He promises never to leave or forsake us. However, this ought to be our desire to sense the nearness of God. The places we go, the things we do, do they find the Spirit's approval? One is left to wonder if people mean what they're really saying. The psalmist says, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire. Two things, worship, pray. When there is a desire, there will be a seeking We come to our last positive heading in the form of an application, the delight of the saint. Verse 19. I'll get to that. One church make people saints after their day. It's not possible. If you wasn't a saint when you was alive, you ain't going to be a saint when you're dead. When you're dead, you're done. Your destiny is sealed. The delight of the saint, verse 19 says this. Albeit, the man wanted Jesus to remain with him in the ship. Albeit, Jesus suffered him not, permitted him not, but saith unto him, Go home. To thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord have done for thee, and have had compassion on thee. He was saved. The Lord had compassion on him. He wasn't just released from demons. He was converted. That's compassion. God gave us who we don't deserve. Verse 20 says, And he departed obedience and began to publish in Decapolis 
how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. This word Decapolis is a funny word. It means ten cities. In other words, he got everybody. It's a historical parable that we looked at. This is the delight of the saints of God. Saints are not people with a halo over their heads. They have a new standing with God. They have a desire to be with Him. They have a delight in following His will. And part of that will is what you see here. Proclamation. Are you like this? I pray we all would be like this. And if God has saved our souls, we will be destined to be like these things here. May God bless you. Let's pray. Amen. What a great God. What a loving Savior as time calls me say. Pass me not, O loving Savior. Hear my humble plea. While on others you are smiling, Lord, remember me. O Lord God, the gospel went forth. We do not expect any great changes. It's just another message. But O Lord God, we pray that this gospel will be ringing in the ears of those who have heard where they stand they are without Christ, where their destiny will be without Christ. But we also pray that you will draw them to yourself where they will see the desire of the converted heart, the new standing, the delight of that heart. Oh God, delight thyself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. We pray, O oh Lord, for the brethren at the City Youth Baptist Church, where we have labored for decades. And Lord, there is so little movement, so little gains. Oh God. We know, we know, we know that one plant, one waters, God gives the increase. We are not resting in that. We pray you will grant souls to this church. Converts, Lord. People who desire to honor you and serve you. This is our prayer. Don't let our gospel preach in vain, Lord. Work. Work. In the hearts of stubborn people. Work. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.